This is the Patient Revenue Podcast, presented by ClearWave. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Patient Revenue Podcast, presented by ClearWave. I'm your host, Matt Harrell. Today, we're talking all about our namesake topic, patient revenue, specifically opportunities for rev cycle optimization. Joining me for that discussion is Brian Stone, co-founder and chief strategy officer at ClearWave. Brian is the perfect guest for today's topic because he's been helping healthcare organizations drive more revenue for over 20 years now. So I'm excited that you'll get to hear from him on this topic. Brian is going to outline four ways to better optimize your revenue cycle, and he's got a lot to share, but I want to make sure you stick around and catch point four because it can have implications for collections, generating additional premium service revenue, and will save your staff a ton of time on administrative tasks that ultimately cost you money. So stick around to find out what that is. Okay, without further ado, let's jump in with Brian. Uh, Joining me today is Brian Stone co-founder and chief strategy officer at ClearWave. Brian, welcome. Uh, how are you today? Great. How are you doing, Matt? Doing very well, thanks. Thanks for joining. Um, you know, Brian, so our, our topic today is all about revenue cycle, particularly areas uh, that practice leaders can tactically um, solve uh, some common challenges, and we're going to focus today on four areas of improvement, being no-shows and appointment gaps, write-offs, claims rejections, and check-in inefficiency. And, and you can see some stats on the right that I, I think really speak to the solvability of these challenges. You know, over one in two patients that miss an appointment simply forgot about it, so How do we keep that appointment top of mind? From a collections perspective, practices only have about a 30% chance of collecting payment once a patient leaves the practice, which is is staggering. Um, For claims rejections, most errors are administrative, meaning there's plenty of opportunity to reduce those rejected claims. And then last but not least, is overall patient check-in inefficiency. And we'll talk through some of the specific opportunities there. But this last statistic, I think, really is a culmination of all of the, the four opportunities mentioned. And the matter of the fact, uh, the, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that many practices are having trouble hitting their revenue targets. And I think that's really timely to have this discussion now particularly as the word recession is being thrown around. And and while healthcare is usually somewhat insulated from economic downturns, uh, it certainly doesn't make things easier. So I'm really glad that we've got Brian here today. Have him help us unpack some of these challenges and ultimately figure out how we go about uh, solving them. So with that said, Brian, um, our first rev cycle optimization opportunity topic here and it's a big one 
is no-shows and appointment gaps. Brian, what have you been hearing from patients and practices alike on the topic of no-shows? Well, I think I think one of the first points you made is that it is it's not a matter that the uh, you know, patients are just forgetting about their appointments, right? It's just a matter that I've had this happen to me. My wife has many more appointments. You're waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning. You you knew the night before you had your reminder on your phone, and you just forget about it. You just get busy in your day. So so you know, creating a process to you know be able to you know, remind the patients via email, text, you know, voice reminders, just just that, just to show up. Um, and then the other thing is, is that a lot of practices, you know, just they don't have an easy way for a patient to actually cancel, book, reschedule an appointment. So, so it's really creating an ability not just to remind them, but also provide them tools to be able to actually uh, make changes, you know, on their own and not have to sit on the phone to make that make those make make those changes. And 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 to and to this slide, I mean, th this is something that you know, 67% of patients prefer online booking bookings, right? So so the thing is, it's no different than you know, making a restaurant appointment. You know, if 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 you're sitting here today at 10 o'clock in the morning, Matt, you're in town. Hey, let's go grab dinner. I don't want to wait until five o'clock in the afternoon to pick up the phone to call the restaurant to make a reservation to determine what time. You know, providing that same open, you know, open table and, and that, that type of experience, patients are, are expecting that. That's that's today's reality. They would prefer to to to, to schedule appointment and reschedule appointment, cancel appointment on their own terms, not have to do it based upon you know waiting on a phone during a, a finite time period. Um, you know, other things that we're seeing is when you do have a self-scheduling solution. 40% of the patients are actually doing it after hours. So, so it's confirming the convenience that you provide to your patients to not find, you know, not create a finite period between nine o'clock, five o'clock. Oh, you know what? You're at lunch between 12 and one. So you call then when you're at lunch, you know, so, so it's providing the flexibility to allow them to book, you know, uh, you know, at any time. Uh, and then, and then the, la the last point, the last thing that we see is about a quarter of the patients, a quarter of the bookings that are taking place online are being done for like next day, you know, within 24 hours. So, so they're so so providing the tool to allow your patients to do it easily. You're going to see that number one, you know, you're going to fill those gaps, right? The 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 point that does the, the, the patient that does cancel 24 hours in advance, if you have a, a self scheduling tool, you'll see that that slot will be booked very quickly and much more efficiently than you know, having someone pick up the phone and, and try to call you within your, your office hours. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, Brian. And I think there's some interesting psychology at work there potentially. Uh, just the dynamic of a practice booking you an appointment, maybe you've filled out a form, hopefully gotten in touch with somebody at the front desk staff and they book you an appointment and hopefully you then put it on your calendar. I think there's some some interesting psychology there where with a self scheduling tool, it's actually now your appointment. You're the one uh, you mentioned the word control a couple of times. And so it just creates that dynamic of, oh, no, this is my appointment. I created it for this day and time uh, versus some appointment reminder or, or calendar reminder that somebody sent me. There's just a little bit of a 
a, a shift there, but I think it actually uh, translates into pretty significant results uh, in in performance and and you know how many people actually show up for that appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so we've covered on sort of the 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 no show the appointment gap side and speaking to you know getting a self service scheduling solution in place there um so let let's move on to our second revenue uh rev cycle optimization opportunity which is write offs what are some of the common challenges that you're seeing uh at practices regarding their write offs and ultimately collections yeah so so the first thing is you know we see that practices have inconsistent ways of collecting monies both copays and and remaining you know, past due balances so so you know they, they they will you know you're relying upon people to collect it you're relying upon your staff to go through through a process and make sure that when a patient shows up that they're collecting that money which many many staff members do not like to have that interaction with with patients so 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 that's one kind of uh you know inconsistency as well as uh friction point that 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 you have because you're 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 creating a process where uh people don't like to ask for money um and then you also have you know processes where um it's not a lot of people think well it's a it's the self-pay patient that's not making the payment but what we see is this is that Patients that have insurances, a lot of them are underinsured. They have high deductible health plans, right? So, you know, it used to be many years ago, you'd walk in and you're collecting $20 from everyone. Today, if you don't have insurance or you have a high deductible health plan, you effectively don't have insurance for a good part of, you know, the year. So you're still having to create a process from a payment perspective to, 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 to essentially collect that money, you know, from, from, from the patient. Um, and then the final thing is, is that, um, you know, today patients are more aware of or need or want, if I'm coming in and I know I'm going to be paying out of my pocket, patients want to know, well, what is that cost? You know, what is my responsibility? I, I, I want to know before I come in that, you know, I, I have $2,000 remaining on my deductible and I'm going to be responsible for this payment. So, so, so really determining patient responsibility is another you know, key kind of gap that, you know, that, that we see in the marketplace. And then, and then what we're, you know, what we're seeing and what we're doing to essentially to kind of uh, uh, fill those gaps is providing a way. So 83% of the patients, as I just said, 83 want to see the out-of-pocket cost before care. So what we see on the payment side, patients are more opt to pay when they understand prior to showing up for their day of service, understanding prior to that, what 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 do they owe? Do, do I owe a twenty dollar copay for this visit? Um, do I have a balance from a previous visit? So as as you begin to create a reminder process of you know reminding the patient of their appointment, also remind them of their their patient their responsibility, and if you do that, you have a much higher success rate. And less friction collecting the money because you're not waiting for the patient to show up to say, "Hey, surprise! You owe $1,500." If you're beginning to get them through the, the the patient communication reminder system, telling them that they'll come in and they'll they they will be expecting that they're going to owe that money and pay that money. Um, the other thing we see is 45% about half the patients 
um, you know, will essentially, you know, fail the out-of-pocket medical costs, about half of them, you know, are essentially in that high, deduct high deductible, you know, bucket. So as, as I said, they, they're, they're as much as un uninsured, they're insured, but they're underinsured. So, so, so you have this whole gap. So again, having them, having a process to collect money from them is critical. It's, it, and, and, then, and the final thing is that, um, you know, we also see that patients, if they don't understand what the costs are, you can't give them that, 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 that ability to say, this is what it's going to cost. Then they either, they essentially don't come in for care or they go someplace else for care, right? So someplace else that, that, that that's doing it. So, so really, you know, the, the way to solve these is, you know, creating a automatic way of checking in, kind of a self-service way of checking in the patients. You can begin to make sure that you're consistently asking and, and, and for that payment, both pre-visit pre as well as point of service. Um, you know, leveraging real-time eligibility tools to be able to actually know what the, the, the remaining deductible, right? So doing, having an eligibility platform that runs the insurance more than once, because if I schedule an appointment two weeks out, my deductible, my remaining deductibles is at some point, it could be $1,800. Two weeks later, I could have claims come through. My deductible by the time I show up could be $900. So making sure that you're running eligibility multiple times so you, you know what the current deductible and remaining deductible information is. Um, and then also having, you know, a tool baked in, you know, real-time uh, estimation tools are something that we're seeing in the marketplace today and, and, and are being used more and more to not just comply with uh, the, the laws that are out there, but actually used to actually collect, you know, what the patient is, is, is coming in for, the, for, for the current day of service. Yeah, Brian, and, and definitely a lot to unpack there. It, it struck me particularly as you talk about enabling the ability to collect payments at, point, at the point of service Actually, was just thinking about that stat that we shared at the beginning that says that practices only have about a 30% chance of collecting a balance due after the patient uh, leaves the practice. I mean, what a what a staggering number that is. And I think you know, dare say, there's there's probably not many other industries that that have that dynamic or that inability you know, to collect that uh, large portion of their customers' past due balances. But, you know, obviously just a, a, a challenge that a lot of practices out there are dealing with. And again, reinforces the, the fact that you've really got to do what you can to collect that payment at the time of service because your chances of, of doing so afterwards are, are fairly slim. Yeah. Um, so and, and, and just one other point, Matt, that that, yeah. that it's not only so that's a great point. It's also for the 30% that you're collecting after the point of service, your cost of collection goes up dramatically. So so a lot right. of times when we look at and we, and we share uh, ROI uh, statistics with our clients, we essentially say if you don't collect that $20 copay at the point of service, even if you collect it afterwards, your cost of collecting $20 Many times it's more than the $20 you're chasing. So, so it's critical to both, to, to your point, 70, if you don't collect it, you're going to write it off 70% of the time. And the 30% you are collecting, your cost of collection, the labor cost that you're going through to collect that money is, 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 is substantial. Absolutely. Lots of potential leaks in that proverbial uh, revenue funnel there. Um, so, so that brings us to our third 
optimization area, Brian, which is claims rejections. And I know for a lot of practices we talk to that that's often looked at as a, you know, just bothersome, cumbersome problem for front desk staff. That's just sort of the nature of doing business. But uh, Brian, I, I, can you tell our audience a little bit about, you know, it's not only just an, um, you know, uh, a, a front desk staff challenge, um, but can you talk about the rev cycle impl in, uh, implication of that? So, so yeah, so, so having a inconsistent process of essentially capturing this data, as you said, causes downstream errors. So if you're, if you are not collecting, it's not a matter of just knowing that you have Aetna and you have the right subscriber number, but having the correct information about that patient, their name, their first name, their last name, their date of birth, you make mistakes on any one of those items, and submit a claim, it will be rejected because it doesn't match exactly what the payer has. So, 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 you know, that demographic information uh, is as important as, as, you know, just having the right insurance company and even having the, the, the right subscriber number. Um, and then the, the other, the other side of that is also that, you know, by not, by, by, by not capturing the information at the front end, the same point we just made, not having a process in place to be able to capture that information, validate the information, make sure the information that you validate, uh, you know, is it matches exactly what you have in, in your billing system. You, 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 if you don't do it, then you're causing FTE labor. You know, you're, you're causing not just the rejections, but then the cost of having to cycle back through and resubmit a claim, go back out and validate the insurance, you know, you know, you know downstream. So, so you know, and, you know, the the, the the first stat here is a really interesting staff that about a, almost a third, you know, of claim denials and claim rejections are due based upon the inefficient front end process. You know, the the, the inability of the staff to get the accurate information at you know either prior to the point of service or at the point of service. So that I mean that's a staggering number that, that about a third of the errors are just related to having a bad front front end system. Um, and and you know, one way of solving that is, you know, implementing a patient self-service, you know, uh, patient intake and scheduling solution by, by capturing it either through your self-scheduling process and validating it then. You know, and that, that's the other thing that, you know, you want to validate insurance multiple times. So if you have a self-scheduling solution that you can validate that you have the right information there, then you, you, have, you know, downstream the information passes. If you don't have a self-scheduling solution that can validate insurance, you have to make sure that during that reminder process, when you're reminding the patient, you know, you have to validate then. If you don't validate then, you have to make sure at the point of service. But but again, having having a, a process in place to make sure that at each touch point you're able to validate the insurance is critical. Um, you know, over two-thirds of providers all are saying, you know, anything related billing receivables with patients is a is a critical, is a is a major issue for them. You know, that the whole collection process and 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 you know is is a big concern. Um, and then, you know, the, the other interesting thing that we see is people don't realize this, but, you know, just like you do with an airline, you, you pre-check for an airline, you know, we're seeing in the, in the healthcare market about 50% of the patients prefer to and actually do 
go through a pre-check process, we'll actually complete this information prior to the point of service. So by doing that, you're, 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 provide, you're, you're providing two benefits. One is you're getting the data in your system accurately before the patient shows up. So if there's anything you need to do, change, update, you can do that. Number two, you're actually creating a quicker process for the patient when they show up. Because if, if they update all their forms at home and the insurances, now when they show up, they're not doing it at the point of service. So, so it has a huge, you know, huge benefit from a patient satisfaction perspective, uh, allowing them to do that at home, and, and it and provides a more accurate downstream you know, check-in process and, and quicker check-in process. Yeah, and that I'm I'm with you, Brian. That that first stat really jumps out to me, um, just because an inefficient process obviously lends itself to practices, those folks listening on the phone, like, hey, this is a something I can go and, and tackle, make this much more efficient. And, you know, there are solutions and processes out there that I can do that um, with with relative, you know, quickness and, and easiness. So um, that's one of the big takeaways here for me is just having that real-time eligibility really unlocks a tremendous amount of not only staff uh, efficiency, but also is going to unlock dollars in your your rev cycle. Yeah. So that brings us, Brian, to our last optimization area, which is all about patient check-in and an area, you know, that, that I think we we think about relative to patient <coughs> improvement and satisfaction, uh, and, and rightfully so. But it's also an area of enormous rev cycle opportunity. Um, so, Brian, for our last optimization area here, it's really all about patient check-in. And I think it's often an area that we often think about relative to patient engagement, patient satisfaction, and, and rightfully so. But it's also an area of tremendous rev cycle opportunity. Uh, would you mind sharing with our audience some of the ways that you found that have been helpful in capturing additional revenue as part of that check-in process? Sure, so, so everything we've spoken about up to this point has really been not about bringing new revenue in, but really just optimizing the patients that you have, right? Making sure that you're reminding them to show up. One area that we see that, that is overlooked is the ability to actually market, target market to your patients, services that you provide that they may not know about, uh, you know, in, in the ophthalmology space, you have, you know, optional services like LASIK surgery, which has a big benefit to patients that that that, that essentially uh, are candidates for that. You know, our dermatology practices, you know, they're, they're upselling facial peels and other types of services that are typically not covered by insurance, but a lot of people. So so being able to during that that uh, check in process, being able to you know educate the patients about other services. We've had we've had clients that have doubled you know certain services just as a result of essentially educating your patient to, you know during the check-in process. Um, you know the other thing that we see is um, you know check-in solutions that require a patient to have a username and password. You know patient portals has been a you know a big thing, or if you have to download an app. You know we see that you very low. I'm sure 
the audience will, you know, will attest to this with the patient portals. It's like, you know, if government paid for patient portals to be out there, EMRs were deployed and you get 10% adoption. So, so, you know, so creating processes, checking processes that don't require username and passwords are, are critical. Um, and then, and then the ability to, to actually, you know, be able to create a process of during check-in to be able to collect past due balances in addition to, you know, the co-pays of the current day visits, you know, that's another, uh, another way of making sure that you don't just send a statement out, but when the patient's there, you create a, essentially a check-in a digital process for them to collect. Uh, and, and have technology collect versus people. So, I mean, what we see today is, you know, we've seen we've seen clients, you know, you know, that you know, the, the, this first stat here, one hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars in additional revenue that you know top performing practices generate per FTE. So, you know, we we've seen clients when they begin to target message patients and they begin to you know, create a, a digital check-in process, they're collecting more per doctor per month than those that are allowing these revenue, you know, leaks to continue on. Um, we also see that 90% of practices say, you know, that, that you know, so 90% of the practices are saying that their costs are rising faster than revenue. I remember, talk, remember talking to a large orthopedic group, and that was the first point their, their CFL made. They're saying, you know, you know, my fees go down every single year, but my costs are going up. So how do I how do I maximize what I have? Because every year the payer is coming in and negotiating my fees down, um, and while my costs are going up in the opposite direction. Uh, and then we we've already talked about the patient the patient portal side, you know, and the point that you know we see this over and over again that that you know, and we, we have some EMR vendors have apps out there. It's like you just see very low utilization. So you need to provide a, a check-in solution um, that allows you to be able to collect the past due balances, allows you to target message. And, and I want to make a, a, a very important distinction. This isn't ads. These are not pharma ads. These are not, you know, ads coming in from a third party based upon information we've collected. This is a practice controlling based upon your age, um, the appointment type you're coming in for. So, you know, what we see in the ophthalmology space, you know, you, you see, okay, you, you want to you target both men and women between the ages of 25 and 55. Those are the candidates for LASIK surgery, but you don't want to ask them about LASIK surgery if they're coming in for a glaucoma appointment, right? So, 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 so again, being able to, so this is very, this is really target messaging your practice, we have a health system, another example, Matt, is a health system that had a lung screening for smokers, either smokers uh, or you know, smokers within the last five years. And, you know, they would and, and they would have a free CT scan done. And, and again, being able to have patients come in and ask them a simple question. Have you smoked in the last five years? Yes. Would you be interested in learning more about this? That the results by by essentially target messaging and doing this in a digital way during the check-in process versus having forms and flyers out there, we we had a huge. It was like you know 200 patients within the first 30 days said yes, I have an interest in doing that. So huge huge impacts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think Brian, you had mentioned uh, this. You had mentioned kind of the the similarities with airlines. Prior and given some of the things that you just mentioned about kind of having some digital solutions in place, uh, do, 
is there any finer point you'd like to to put on between you know sort of purpose-built solutions to drive revenue versus what practices may already get with say a, a practice management system yeah this, this is a great point and i think that you know many practice management systems will talk about we can do reminders you know we can validate insurance we you know, a lot a lot of the things we talked about um they they, they will say you know are somehow baked into some piece of their technology in most cases. But the difference is that they're, they're essentially, the best analogy I can use is, you know, they're, they're building it, they, they are one app, they're one airline app, okay? So what we find is a, 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 a platform, a patient revenue platform that's built with patient revenue as the sole purpose, really maximizing patient revenue is like, the arrival and departure, you know, uh, screens in an airport, right? It's you, you go walk in and you can see Southwest, American, Delta, you know, Spirit Airlines. You know what what time, what gates, what time, which ones are late, what baggage claim to go to, and you have one full holistic view of what's going on in the airport, you know, and that's what a patient you know, a revenue platform does, it give, gives you that view. When you think about patients coming in, you know, you don't have all Aetna patients coming in. You have an Aetna patient, a Blue Cross patient, a, a Medicare patient. Each one has a different, you know, you owe $20, I owe a past due balance, I've canceled my appointment. Having that in one dashboard and one view, you need that in order to efficiently process patients, both during the pre-check process as well as during the check-in process. That's very different then going in one patient at a time into, okay, Matt's coming in, now let me go in, click, 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 click. Okay, see, his insurance is active, I see this. So so, so that's the analogy is that, you know, that the PM systems are really a singular, they weren't built to really be a patient revenue platform. Uh, platform. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a really poignant point there, Brian, particularly thinking about the anecdote that you gave on the previous slide about how 90% of practice leaders say that their costs have risen faster than revenues. You know, it's a, it's a little unique in healthcare in that most businesses would largely rise uh, raise their their prices commensurate with their expenses. But uh, as you mentioned, we we don't always have that luxury here in healthcare, and so having a system that is really purpose built to take care of the, the revenue side of the house becomes even more important uh, as we look at you know, compressed margins around the, the industry. So I think it's a really, uh, really good point. Um, okay, so that's kind of really our, our, four, our four ways. Um, so we, we chatted through um, some tactics around no-shows and appointments, write-offs, claims rejections, and then some dynamics within your check-in process that are uh, ripe for optimization. And, and really, I think across all four of these, it's all about the point here on the bottom right, which is it, it's all in the spirit of making sure that we hit our goals this year and the foreseeable future and putting systems and processes in place that allow you to do that uh, also with uh, you, you know, scale in mind as you continue to grow 
uh, your practice. So thank you again, Brian, for joining us for today's discussion. Really enjoyed our, our conversation. I think leave, we'll, we'll have left folks today with some tactical ways they can go back and think about revenue cycle optimization uh, at their practices. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Patient Revenue Podcast presented by ClearWave. And thanks to Brian Stone for being our guest today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcasts so you're always up to date on our latest content. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.